As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am not joined by the kid, the god, or the legend because he's in Ireland, a man I've never known to leave the United States all of a sudden texts me the other day and just says, hey, I'm going to be in Ireland for a few days. And so, you know what? We had to go to the bullpen, bring in an Irish fella for ourselves, you may know him from other podcast programs such as Mixtape or Macro Dosing. He's a co-pilot on the Trill Withers show with Trill Withers and also co-host of Cut To It with Steve Smith. The McMahon is here. McMahon, thanks for joining I, us. I like how you gave my whole Wikipedia page, everything I've done. You just you're like you went to Catholic Memorial. <laughs> He's six foot five. Uh but yeah, it's uh, I it, Jay should not be allowed to leave the country. Not even that he's a threat uh, <laughs> abroad or domestically, but it just doesn't make like they're everything I know about the King family is like they don't speak out loud. Uh, <laughs> they don't cheer. <laughs> they don't boo. Uh, they just kind of sit with their arms crossed in a very and squint their eyes disapprovingly yeah. at everything. Uh, so traveling, I can't like I imagine he complained about the flight, uh, the airplane food. Now he's over there. It's it's cloudy. He's, I can't imagine he's enjoying himself. And it's just like uh, he's not the best representative of America, I would say. And I don't <laughs> think the Irish are going to necessarily change their entire opinion based on what Jay King does. But it's a risk that I don't think I would be willing to take. Um, but we are here not to talk about Jay King, although we can criticize him all we want throughout the episode if we want to come back to that. It's a good callback. We're here to talk about the Boston Celtics beating the Philadelphia 76ers 110-107 to in a thrilling ending. I'll say it a hilarious ending with Jason Tatum <laughs> making the go-ahead three with about 1.3 seconds left and then Joel Embiid making a very impressive full-court heave, but clearly moments after the buzzer. My brother called it uh, kind of like an emotional confetti like it was a, a similar situation to <laughs> the confetti being released. Like Witnessing possibly would have been the greatest 
like make at the end of a game and then just having to not count. Um, fantastic game from start to finish. Uh, Coley, well, I guess what was your biggest takeaway or or what's the, the biggest observation coming away from that Celtics win? Uh, I mean, it's this is two games in a row now. We've played Philly, uh, where like in the first one, the, the good players just simply didn't play for the Celtics and they won more easily. They played yesterday, Jalen showed up, Tatum was on the court, uh, he was in uniform, Marcus was like a minus 22, yeah. uh, something along Not those good. lines. Terrible, uh, Rob was great as he always is, literally perfect. Uh, and Al had the third quarter, but other than that, he was kind of quiet. So it was like the starters didn't do much again, still beat them. So it's like we, you spot Philly a 15 point lead. They blow that. There's just I'm running out of ways to figure out like how like what world they would even beat us. I don't know that that world exists. And shout out Derek White. Uh, maybe the best player on the team <laughs> at this point. I don't know what else to like every game. It's like, yeah, we'll give him a little more praise, a little more praise by season's end. We're going to be like, well, build the whole team out of Derek White. Uh, but Embiid was the, that was the first person he talked about in the post game. He was like, yeah, I just wanted to turn and heave it. But Derek White was right there. And that clearly made a difference considering he was going to make that no matter what. Yeah, it, it felt like the depth is what the stood out the most about this game. Like there was two minutes of Sam Hauser that I don't remember other than him just like really fouling James Harden uh, in a ferocious effort on defense. But other than that, it pretty much felt like the playoff rotation. And you mentioned Derek White, he's plus 25, Malcolm Brogdon plus 18. I'm using single game plus minus here because mm -hmm. it benefits my argument and I'm allowed to do that as a podcast host. But it felt like the Celtics offense kind of, when it had the double bigs on the court, did not have enough spacing because it just allows Joel Embiid to hang out by the paint. But they went on that run in the second quarter. And it's like, oh, like we go small a little bit. And Joel, you have to guard Al Horford uh, on the three-point line. Joel decided not to do that. Now Horford no. hit four threes uh, <laughs> to bring the Celtics back into this game. And then he hit his fifth one down the stretch where P.J. Tucker just wildly overhelped on Jason Tatum. And that was a huge shot to put them ahead. And so it feels like the Celtics, just with their depth and flexibility, have this ability to counter whatever the, the 76ers are doing. And I don't know what the 76ers counter move is to this other than like Jalen McDaniels play better. I I mean, it was a very like small performance from Tyrese Maxey and Harden did not make a lot of shots, but this was a great like Embiid game and. I don't know what their answer is to the, all right, the Celtics can go small. We can bring Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams off the bench and roll with two of our bench guys. And uh, that, like, that's what they did to start the fourth quarter when Embiid was on the bench and the Celtics built up a 10-point lead. And so it really felt like the Celtics' depth was the main reason they won this game. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I'm running out of scenarios, simulations. Like we we play this team four times a year, every year. I'm running at like starting last February, we beat them by what? 51. Was that the total? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't think they've beat us since. I don't know when they would have. Um, so yeah, I'm running out of, I think I saw the last 27 games, the starting five has been available. They're 25 and two. Uh, and that was a lot of those games were pre Brogdon. Uh, I'm sure most of them were with Derek white, if not all of them by this point, he's been around a while. So it's like yeah, this 
the Boston Celtics <laughs> has constructed, if they just show up, we've seen it. They don't have to play well. They no. just have to show up. And the Philadelphia 76, like when Grandy tweets that uh, nine point, 10 point deficit stat too often for my liking. I don't like the Celtics <laughs> in any deficits, but he, he tweets it at, at halftime. The Celtics had never gone down double digits. The Sixers immediately push it to 15 immediately. And it never crossed my mind that the Celtics were going to lose that game. Like I, I talk shit the entire games if they were up 15 because they, it's just a much worse team. And I don't think that it was a good Embiid game. That's my hot take. I don't think it was a good Embiid game. It was a good offensive game. Shot a lot of free throws. He was really bad defensively. And oh, yeah. I think he, it's you should call him hot dog Embiid because in the fourth quarter, like it was Jalen Brown and the bench and they just got what, like eight points in transition because no one was getting back on defense. And he just like lazily catches the ball. And Jalen Brown <laughs> takes the longest run from the other corner to come. It's like, just snatch it from him. And, and B is just like, Oh, I guess so. So I, I agree. His defensive effort. He did have a nice block on Jalen at the end of the game. And he was, that was a clear foul. Like <laughs> we shot 12 free throws, Jim to their 35. It wasn't like we were avoiding the rim. Quite the contrary. That's a discrepancy or a, a disparity in, in, in outcome. Like that's that. I think that's what bothers me most about that game. People will watch that and be like, "Oh, it was close." The Sixers. You know, if they had one more second left, it goes to overtime. If if this or that, like, no, it was not a close game. The 76ers had because we only hit eight of them. I think they hit like 29, 28, something like that. Twenty eight of thirty five. So they plus twenty. Free throws. That that was a blowout. Like it was a three point win in the books. That was a bloodbath of a, of an actual like the actual basketball that was played. It was a bloodbath. Yeah, if you look at just the second half, the Celtics shot fifty five percent from the field, and the Sixers forty two percent. And like they're only in that game because of the fifteen free throws that they had, nine from Embiid, five from Harden, and so it's just like the the problem for the seventy Sixers, and it's just like a foundational problem is that they need Joel Embiid to play 48 minutes. Right. The problem with that is Joel Embiid cannot play 48 minutes. And so I And no one know. can. It's not even no like a can. him thing. No one in the league is it's not Wilt Day, it's not even Iverson Day. Like that that's not what they should need. Like but Doc's also their coach. That's part of the foundational problem. He has no idea how to fix this. And the one fix I think they made this year is they told Embiid focus more on offense. Like your defense, you have you have the reputation. A lot of people aren't going to try you unless they're dum dums like John Moran, and, and that's kind of why they brought PJ in. Uh, like PJ is the one chasing people around. That was the whole point. They got Melton, who's a solid defender, and then they went out and got McDaniel. So it's like, all right, we we need everyone else to defend. You focus on offense. To his credit, he has, and he did make one good defensive play. It's not like he stunk the whole game. Uh, when he got he had Tatum in the corner. And Tatum passed it to, I think, Grant, who chucked up an absolute brick. Uh, so it's not like he was a complete zero. He was like a one on defense <laughs> for that game. But and Sixers fans love to be like, well, look at the net rating, his defensive rating. And it's like, yeah, they've surrounded him with good defenders. If you watch him play, you cannot tell me he's as impactful of rim, just even rim protector as he was last year, or the year before. He was on the court while that 15-point lead melted away the whole time. He was the one who was guarding Al Horford 
guarding, I say loosely, the pick and roll where Al hit his fourth one, he just gives up. He literally flails his arms. The fast break one when Al's in the left corner, he literally just points. Here's someone else go get him. That's bad defense. He's not even trying. And that's what I think makes the Celtics, like this version of the Celtics, so, I guess, dynamic is they don't have to rely on the starting lineup. Of course, they're better when Rob's in the game, and I think their defense is much better. But there's like an immediate opportunity there. It's like, okay, we can go small. And even like not even that small, we can put Grant at power forward. He's enough of a physical presence and enough of a shooting threat that it's like we can still play five out and make it so Joel Embiid, he's still going to be like uh, hang out in the paint, but like he should be going out to the perimeter uh, to get (laughs) uh, guard Al Horford. I Grant didn't knock down a lot of his threes, but I thought he had some uh, like two good open looks. And it's just like the Celtics have this ability, whether it's they can go super small and, and bring in White or Brogdon, or they can kind of go their mini small with Grant. We didn't even see Moose in this game, but I feel like you could have brought in Mascala and just like stretched this, uh, the 76ers out more. And I think that's what makes the team so dangerous at this point is they have a top eight where you can pretty much use any five of those eight guys. And then we can, I guess, throw in Pritchard and, and Muscala for occasional things, but like, to attack the whatever the team's uh, best option is. And it's just like they they can beat you in so many different ways that it like. I don't know, like like, like Embiid went to the bench this uh, the start of the fourth quarter and then it was just like, OK, Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White can get to the rim with ease. Brogdon <laughs> right. smoked a few bunnies more more than I care for. But like it's still like as soon as any teams make an adjustment or have to go to their bench, the Celtics still have a basically a, a starting caliber lineup to attack them in that way. And so I just thought it was just like an impressive, impressive victory just in terms of like placing the chess pieces from a uh, old bazooka Joe. Well, I guess he's not bazooka Joe anymore. We'll just no. have to call him crazy eyes, Joe or something else. I was going to say the, the NBC Celtics account tweeting out him, like tackling Tatum to end the game and then running into the tunnel and just swearing immediately. It's like, yeah, I love this fucking guy. The amount of people I saw, like, I feel like people should have learned this lesson last year or even Brad's first year. Brad got a ton of criticism his first year. Uh, the, The coach who shall not be named from last year, he got criticism the whole year. And I was thinking about it last night after the game, walking my dogs. It's just like, Last year, the main criticism of the Celtics down the stretch was they can only win blowouts, which is such a funny (laughs) criticism. But it was like in close games, they were below 500, even when everything was rolling. Close game and playoff games, traditionally close. Now the Celtics play close games and it's like, this team's not that good. They're not blowing everyone out. It's like, which do you want? (laughs) What is good enough? Because last year's wasn't good enough. We know it wasn't good enough. They ran out of steam. I've seen a lot of people being like Tatum's been overused. That's why he's bad. Tatum's as good as Tatum has been. And we'll get to how good historically he's been, I'm sure, at some point. But as good as he's been his whole career, he's had stretches where he's been streaky in the regular season. It happened earlier this year when he had that stretch where he couldn't buy a three. Doesn't he have an 0 for 30 on his resume uh, a couple of years ago? Like, this is who he is, and luckily, he's at the point of his career where he knows how to impact the game in multiple ways. Typically, those multiple ways don't include throwing the ball repeatedly into the stands, <laughs> but he's added this new like game-winning tip in play that he runs every game now. He crashes the boards, and he still uh, requires the other team's best defender, which is tremendously helpful when Jalen's just like, all right, I got us tonight, because that's still an option. So the people who are just finding things to complain about, 
I don't know how to help those people. I really don't know how to help them. It's it's very confusing. And KOC, I love KOC. KOC is always going to be my guy. But after the game, he tweeted like bad process from the Celtics down the stretch. Like their offense still looks bad. Like I, they did give up like a, a I think like a, a decent lead. They were up by 10 with like six minutes left. But I like went back and rewatched it this morning. One, first, for some reason, my YouTube TV, when I was rewatching this this morning, just like wasn't coming in clear. So every image was like a little bit blurry or a bit delayed. That was a real trippy experience. But I feel like I got the gist of what's going on. (laughs) And the process late, like it wasn't like extremely awful or problematic. There was that one Tatum shot where he just kind of had a late heave and then they gave us 35 replays that showed it like clearly not touching the rim. And I was like, this (laughs) is TV production folks. This They got, they nailed this one, but that felt like him and Al both kind of went to the same space. Like that wasn't like uh, a fail in the play call. Like the process was pretty good in terms of generating open looks. They just didn't happen to make it. Al Horford knocked down an open three. Uh, Grant Williams had an open three. That's where Tatum came in the tip. And like, hmm. I, I didn't, I wasn't sitting there to be like, this is the shitty ISO basketball of like end of the heat series last year. It was just like, they felt like the process was good. And then I saw danger car tweeting, like they have the best, one of the best clutch ratings, like in the league right. this year. And like <laughs> most of their clutch losses have come from overtime games. Where it's like, you may point to that being luck, but like, the results of them playing close games have shown that they've been a successful basketball team. So I don't know, would I prefer them to blow teams out? Yes. Uh, will I take a, a Sixers fans being horribly depressed and thinking they had a momentary uh, confetti greatness? Uh, yeah, I'll take that as well. At winning games, and he kind of alluded to it in the post game, but at the end of the day, winning games is most important. Winning games is hard. Like, historic teams have lost games in confounding ways so uh, like it was like the the 96 bulls uh the original 72 and 10 team i think they had six losses when they wore like their their black pinstripe jerseys (laughs) so it's just like it didn't matter who the opponent was you know what i mean like it's it is what it is but I'll take and I saw a lot of people harping on like oh, Derek White should really be in these last five minutes. You can't say that and also be like Tatum's been pushed too hard to play too many minutes. Those are directly uh, diametrically opposed thoughts. Who do you, who he was, do you want he got his throat White? slit. In, he got yeah, his literal he, throat slit. He, he, and then two players later, he got his lungs collapsed. Let the guy sit down. Let him sit. <laughs> he continues to bleed uh, on the court and be very, very productive. But like, I don't know who. I guess the argument there is you put him in for smart because like they did need Grant there just because you need some sort of size to throw at Embiid and like complaining that a certain player is not on the course. Like we just established they have eight players who are in this like caliber of starting lives. You could have argued that Time Lord should have been on the court. Like there, at some point there's going to yeah. be two to three players who like probably deserve to be there. But like that's the greatness of the Celtics like lineup flexibility right now is they can go with whatever matchup is the best. And I do, despite Grant not like packing the stat sheet, I just do think he was like valuable in those minutes of just being like, okay, we're going to, we have to put Embiid on him. And then like Embiid has to shade towards the corner and just like being able to play five out and space out uh, teams like that is just incredibly beneficial. Yeah. Uh, I, I also worry because a lot of people like put in white over smart and it's like, I love Derek White. Can he make that bounce pass to Tatum? That's a really hard fucking that pass. That pass was fucking awesome. 
Like it was covered well. We uh, and, by and we all knew it was coming, and that's the Correct. crazy thing. Is like we see Tatum like give up the uh, the take foul. We see Tatum go to the backcourt, and every like Celtics fan who's been you know generally aware of the Boston Celtics for the past I would say like five years knew oh they're running the play or they're trying to get Tatum in space uh, to try and get that dunk that he got on Jared Allen. Then. Joe calls a timeout. So we show we show our hand and Doc Rivers does not kind of make make the adjustment there. And so wow. everyone kind of knew what was like what was going on. But that pl- pass from Marcus Smart was was damn impressive. And Tatum's ability to stop on a dime behind the back dribble and nail the three also show that he's a very good basketball player. But like you can't just like take Marcus Smart like you can't call him the heart and soul of the team and then and say he impacts winning and be like, yeah, but we're not going to have him down the stretch. And even the fact that he was not good this game and like was not making the right plays, him and Tatum just like have kind of a connection. And Marcus Smart's probably one of the only people on the team who can set Tatum up there to make that play. Yeah. And like you think back to, I think a lot of people still, if you've followed Smart's entire career, still worry about him just like jacking that shot from 50 feet away. And I think he kind of killed that game one of the Nets series last year. Every everyone on the Nets jumped at that shot. Everyone on the bench, every, Julius Irving, everyone jumped at that pump fake, and he got he hit Tatum for the wide open or not wide open, but layup. Um, so yeah, I, he has to be on the court unless he's like physically unable to play. He has to be on the court in that situation. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paolo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I will give Doc Rivers credit for one thing. Oh, boy. The play call at the end of the game where it ended up with Jalen Brown covering Joel Embiid one-on-one. That was not my ideal uh, defensive alignment. And so if Doc was at all responsible for getting that <laughs> matchup, I will give him deference and give him credit for that. But 
Jalen did a decent job. We kept him out of the paint. It, and like didn't allow him to get the shot off. Like if you're going to fail right. him, uh, do that. We have to talk about Jalen Brown, like 10 points in the fourth quarter and was just leading that second unit, a big reason why they extended the lead and just his individual shot making, I think is going to be so important in the playoffs where everything is going to slow down, but you're going to need a guy to beat someone off the dribble and get to mid range pull-ups. Like that is what becomes successful in the playoffs. And you need someone like that. And obviously Tatum made the game winning shot, but like when Tatum is bad, you're going to need the other star to step up. And Jalen Brown did exactly that tonight. And I just like, I've criticized him in the past for, for dribbling and playmaking and things like that. But he is just like, he is an all-star he is. And it just doesn't feel like he gets enough credit. And he has to deal with the, the lowly Philadelphia fans <laughs> demanding his ACL be torn uh, before the game, which I I don't think a Boston sports fan would ever say anything that untoward to a, an opposing player. <laughs> There'd be a, a a word that there would be a comma at the end of that sentence and then a, a slur uh, if it happened in Boston. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I can't get mad about that. Like it, it sucks. And I, it sucks if you're a player getting, hearing that, but Boston and Philly are, are pretty much looking in the mirror at each other when it comes to terrible things they say at yeah. athletes. So I can't, I can't pass them too much for that. Uh, uh, but it was, did it ever come out? What, what the four fans who got ejected said? No, I only saw that clip uh, after the game of like, they got ejected and Blake Griffin just laughing in their faces, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> if anyone hasn't gone, you can go to the athletic right now and read Jay's like, column about just Blake Griffin. And it's just about how he's the greatest individual alive and is also hilarious and how him uh, joining the team made Luke Cornett pretty upset because Luke Cornett thought he was going to be the funniest guy on the team. And then Blake Blake came in with like ability to do impressions. He's done stand up. He's just much more of a dynamic threat. And Cornett was like, yeah, I'm more of just like the witty, weird, esoteric guy. And Blake came in and ruined the entire dynamic. Yeah, Blake's got a tight 30, uh, (laughs) but he's constantly working out. Uh, yeah, Blake's Blake's been awesome for this team. I'm very happy he's here. I mean, he he beat the he was Al Horford last time we played the Sixers. So it's like we know Doc has no counter for like tall guy who can shoot. It'll be Grant next time. It'll be I don't know me the time after that. Like Doc has no answers for the the big guy standing completely still play. I mean, but neither does Joel Embiid because he's just not no. running out to the to the corner to kind of try and slow that down so he's he's not running out he's not running back i mean you talk about jalen's shot making ability the the bounce pass he had to rob was i don't know that there's another center in the league who's like catching that really and well some guys would catch it but they'd have to stop to catch it not break stride and then dunk is so rare and obviously he has like crazy long arms so that helps but most centers like kick that ball into the stands. They don't even let alone catch it. So that was, and that happens because Embiid just like walks back. It's just absolutely loafing back. And though that was, that there was Jalen uh, with that crazy physical layup that there was no whistle on. That was absurd. There was the one that Embiid got credit for a block, clearly got all arm. So it's like, yeah, you look at the free throw discrepancy and it's like Embiid's going to get his calls. Harden's knows how to get his calls too. 
Uh, but when like smart can't even just like regular defend him without them calling a block oh, that, when that one they're calling illegal like, screens or, or illegal defense on a screen when Embiid like runs up and barely gets set. And I know KG used to do that shit all the time too. People complained about that too. So now it's my turn. So it's like <laughs> all those whistles happening. They add up Embiid got free throws because of that. When, when smart just tried to cover his man and a screen was set. Jalen, I think he led the team in front of someone took more than four individually uh yes jalen had five free throw attempts and oh hit five four okay of them. Yeah, oh, so. i hit four uh so he should have had at least eight minimum and that's still not a ton like the one he finished over Embiid, which was crazy impressive but like that was an obvious foul like there was so much contact and they just were like nope play on so it's like what the if if we can still win eight on four uh, for most of the game because Tatum's just out there running around. Like, yeah, Philly has genuinely nothing that they can do to us. And that was like a b- bizarre thing about Tatum's game is that like you talk about the way he's impacted when he's not shooting well. Normally he's good for eight free throw attempts and he's got one foul called on, uh, for this game, one trip to the line. That's just like, maybe you can make the argument. He was like thoroughly deterred from going to the rim, but like, Normally Tatum is aggressive. He's getting those foul calls. And so um, that was just kind of bizarre for that uh, not to happen. Um, I will. I'm I'm just trying to remember other things. We've officially entered the uh, junk portion of the uh, program. So any other useless observations you had about this game? I know you're have been a critic in the past of jacking a terrible shot in a two for one scenario just to get for the two for one. So I do have to bring up that the Celtics perfectly executed a two for one at the end of the first quarter, but the shot that was taken was a wide open Derek white three and then followed up by Rob with a baseline jumper at the buzzer. And like when the two for one works perfectly as it did there for a five Oh run, you just like, Oh my God, these basketball mathematicians are geniuses. <laughs> like, how, how did we never figure this out before? Two chances to score and they both work. And so I, I give the Celtics credit for successfully pulling off a two for one. Yeah. It, like my biggest problem is when it's like you inbound the ball with 34 seconds and, and you're Grant like immediately jacks a three. <laughs> yeah. We get two shots. Here. No, you can't. No, you cannot. Like why force it? So, cause like even the Rob, wide open baseline jumper like that was a set play they had all day to run that play so that was more like uh oh we took a wide open three with what was it 43 seconds something like that probably yeah. uh so yeah that i've that's good old-fashioned basketball when you're at like 28 seconds you're like oh let me get this shot off <laughs> no that's so stupid you're giving the other team a perfect 24 and you're getting another three on the other end that's what i hate when yeah at 43 seconds this is all chris paul's fault teaching tatum the three for one nonsense uh that, three for two that does not exist four for three soon the entire game is just going to be right yeah. <laughs> you know how many shots we can get off in 60 minutes uh, 48 whatever the fuck it is <laughs> who knows at this point yeah um i watched initially uh the game uh at a at a local discotheque and so i didn't have the sound on but i went back and rewatched it this morning and just mark jackson saying al hoffman is always <laughs> going to be funny to me oh they were brutal yesterday absolutely brutal Embiid wouldn't got like Embiid wouldn't get touched, and Van Gundy would be like, "Was there a foul there?" And Jackson was like, "He got shot in the chest." It was just like, "No, he, no, he didn't." Like, what are we talking about? 
Uh, but he did say Al Hoffa, uh, moment, like in that third quarter stretch, took like on top of it just being awesome because Al was making all these threes, and the city of Philadelphia hates Al Horford <laughs> because he was so bad for them, and like vehemently like wants is to like destroy his family and his uh sisters and stuff like that uh it's just always fun to see uh al hoffa uh succeed in the city of philadelphia what did it you is think- very funny how much they hate him <laughs> like all he did was like they thought they had such a perfect plan like hey, this guy has been terrorizing us we're just gonna sign him and then he's just so bad for that. That's great. That I saw great. some guy tweet like he's officially entered the list of most dastardly villains in Philly sports history. <laughs> I guess so. I don't think it was an intentional like to try and ruin the team and then go back to the Celtics, but it worked out that way, which is awesome. Yeah, it hilarious. worked out swimmingly for us. <laughs> what did you think of the 76ers awful brotherly love jerseys and accompanying court? Because the jerseys are awful. The court, I uh, more I got used to it more as more as the game went on. I didn't hate the court. I like older looking courts like that. Um, the jerseys are awful though. Like really, they're so busy. There's like the the numbers don't match the font. The font's like not thick enough, so it's like hard to read. Like it's all bad, just real bad. And it's like a huge emphasis on brotherly love, and then a small like we forgot to put city of in there. In <laughs> it's pretty much pure nonsense. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to look back over Twitter right now and see if I had any, had any other useless observations or, or dumb things. Um, I can't really I, think I, of it. I was like, I guess my biggest thing is like, I can't watch Embiid now without the MVP debate ringing in my head. And it sucks because it makes me speak more negatively about him than I normally would. Cause he's really good, really good player. But I don't know that you can be the MVP if you literally go 0-4 against another MVP candidate in your division and you're looking up at him in the standings. And you've also never beaten him in the playoffs and you've never gotten out of the second round of the play. So like all that goes through my head all game watching him. And then I think of the historical context, like Shaq didn't get whistles like this. Like you had to hit Shaq over the head with a steel chair to get him to the free throw line until later in his career when you could lightly tap him and then they would award him two free throws. So it's just like, I can't, it's hard. Philly fans have ruined Embiid for me because they overinflate. Like they just want to hand him this MVP. I'm not even saying he's not deserving of being in the conversation, but they act like it's not a conversation. And that makes me go so hard the other way. But I I, I have a take. I think he's good. And I think I'm the only person with that take. Everyone else thinks he's the best player of all time. I just think he's really good. And really? I, I'm... I'm really alone good on that basketball island. player, yeah, and that's not the type of take you would have gotten if uh, Jay King didn't try to escape to Ireland for some reason. That's the only kind of take you get from the McMahon. I did see someone because, of course, the Nuggets like lost last night, and Jokic didn't have a triple double. I saw someone in HP Basketball's mentions call Jokic <laughs> an efficiency merchant, mm-hmm. which is just beautiful turn of phrase, just to act like. Someone had like efficiency is the thing that they're exploiting <laughs> the the like very uh, well done and perfect way to get basketball and score the basketball. This guy is just manipulating the efficiency. Um, that's how much this not like nonsense MVP debate has just gotten where we're criticizing the guy with the most amazing numbers for scoring too much and on the least amount of shots possible. Like, yeah, I, I get it. You don't want to have a guy be a three-time MVP for some reason, but like 
he's very he he's just like the best player on the best team in the West. Like sometimes it's very simple, but efficiency merchant is like if you're going to argue for the sake of argument, you better be throwing out made up phrases or things that don't make any <laughs> sense. Like that that will grab my attention. I think at this point, it's like when two siblings are fighting over like a toy and you just take the toy and give it to the third sibling. And it's yeah. like neither of you can have it. So Giannis is the MVP just so everyone shuts up. That's the only way to settle at this point or just continue not giving it to the 76ers because I enjoy their fans' misery. <laughs> if there's some way we could like some sort of a reenactment where uh, it's like a false Woj tweet where he incorrectly announces Embiid for MVP. And then like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they have to like release the confetti again. And then they're like, Oh God, the confetti. Or they write it like, they write it like last name, comma first name for some reason. So he sees the J and he's just like, <laughs> Joe, and they also don't do it this way, but if he's reading the card and he's like, Joel, Oh no, I'm sorry. Jokic says Jokic. I saw the J sorry, everyone. <laughs> Anything that can just add to the misery of, of 76ers fans who outside, I was about to call them good people, but I've lived in Philadelphia. I have many friends who are uh, from the city, um, but I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I enjoy them uh, and nor should you uh, keep your sports hatred close to your heart. I was thinking about this last night because I was looking very rarely do I look ahead at the schedule, but last night I felt comfortable enough with, with the game to look ahead uh, we play the Knicks next. Would you rather play the Sixers or the Knicks in the playoffs? I would rather play the Knicks, but I did say on the last podcast that the Knicks, if we play them, are going to be incredibly annoying. Like, there's just a very annoying team. We seem to have, like, really struggled to stop Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle from, like, driving. And apparently... um bringing in Josh Hart has solved all of their chemistry issues. He's the, <laughs> the greatest locker room presence in the world. Like, I just think dealing with Joel Embiid, because like you've mentioned on this podcast, good player, good player that Joel Embiid is just like, it's a lot. He's going to get a lot of whistles. Like, I just think they have much more talent, but in terms of just like a cohesive team, the Knicks are going to be are just incredibly annoying. Yeah. I mean, we've lost to the Knicks this year. I can't say the same about the other teams. So I, <laughs> I, just worried. I don't, I'm not worried about either of them. I want that clear. Uh, but I I would like an easier road to the finals this year as opposed to last year. So I think it's like more imperative at this point. I know everyone's obsessed with the one seed, but I would much rather line up to get Philly in the second round. I think that's way more important. So if that means we have to drop to two, if they're going to hold three, then that's more important. I'd much rather that. I don't care. We, we've proven we can win a game seven in Milwaukee. Like that's that's the thing we've done. So I'm they not were, too worried. They were better on the road last year in the playoffs. Like that's they, true. They were <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter. I agree. I think like trying to figure out the best path at this point is important. And I don't know whether it's like, okay, if you're the one seed, you get to play what the Washington wizards in four games. And then like you get the rest, or if it's like better, like you said, to kind of set things up for the second round. I think really the goal is just like, okay, let's just make sure that we have these top eight guys fully healthy headed into the playoffs. Right. And then it's just right. like, I don't think the matchup, no matter who it is, is going to really matter. No, it won't. But it, it like we saw last year, and I'm trying to avoid being burnt out by June because I don't think they're getting burnt out in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they will be playing 42, uh, 43, 44 minutes. So it's like, yeah, I would rather play less of those games than like have to go to a game seven in Miami, have to go to seven against Giannis, stuff like that. Uh, 
even the first round was a sweep, but it wasn't like a walk in the park yeah, sweep. No, all four games were kind of close there. And then Kevin Durant, good good basketball player as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are running out of time because I don't pay for Zoom because I'm not a sucker. Um, so, McMahon. We have a stream yard we could have used. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of Monday, Monday morning quarterback in there from you, Coley. Um, that's absolutely correct. But we have a minute to go. And so... I appreciate you coming on talking C's. I appreciate you, uh, you know, replacing Jay King for his gallivanting across the uh, Great Britain. I don't care for uh, his uh, kind of support of the crown as he's always been a Tory. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if you want to listen to the McMahon and me, I'm occasionally on the, the Trill Withers show Monday, Wednesday from 12 to 3. Thursday nights, we were watching the national TV game and then also cut to it with Steve Smith's breaking down all uh, prospects kind of wide receiver prospects mostly I would assume is Steve Smith some corners sure? as well some All corners right. as well people forget the JK and JK Rowling stands for JK <laughs> JK Rowling <laughs> I don't think we can end and like that's it anything is possible <laughs> folks anything is possible JK Rowling <laughs> thanks goalie of course, pal. Once you once you said the Tory part, I was like, oh yeah, who's a terrible British person that's still living. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.